Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full-spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. Today's date is August 23rd, 2021. My name is Bill, and I'm joined here today with Steve. Yo. So what's up, buddy? How you feeling today? Good day, man. It's a little soupy out there weather-wise. Yeah. Muddy. Um, however, on a personal note, I know a guy. <laughs> Got my car fixed. Very excited. Yeah. <laughs> Very excited. That's my most... Uh, new thing for interesting <laughs> i did want to say something because i want to get this out of the way because I'm, I'm sick of marketing for this album but the whole kanye west donda album thing has been like irking the fuck out of me yeah not even like a huge newer kanye fan like even his modern songs like i haven't been a fan of but i was really excited for this album dude's a marketing genius but it is funny because I'll use Wikipedia to figure out release dates for albums and watching that Wikipedia page consistently change on like tentative dates. It's going to be released and it's just constantly changing. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Falcons are starting to play preseason games in Mercedes Benz stadium and Kanye's still living there apparently like trying to finish this. Dude, the whole situation is wild. But what that made me think of, because I recently discovered um, Nas released an album called King's Disease 2. It's a follow-up to King's Disease that he released in 2020. He also released an expanded edition of It Was Written, uh, an album that was released prior in the same year. He released the expanded edition in in July. He dropped the new album in August. And like this is why with people like Kanye who thrive more on his image as opposed to his talents, that Mm. bother me. Because Nas is still good, man. Like, this King's Disease 2 album, it charted. It's very good. Yeah. Got great collaborations. There's a really good song there with Eminem, too, by the way. Um, And I listened to it immediately, and it just reminded me, like, most new music I listen to is basically by artists that have been around. Yeah. Since, like, the 80s, the 90s that are dropping. Well, there's music. not really much else. That's what I'm saying. Like, artists that come either. out, like, recent, new, and exciting, it's very diamond. Like, it's hard to find. Yeah. It's very hard to find. It's, like, straight diamond in the rough if you're a modern artist today that you can produce a level of work that these older artists consistently put out. And then that's why I thought about Kanye because, like, bro, you're good. You know, you are a good rapper, but to do what he's been doing with this album and just being so secretive about it and being so wishy-washy about it. But you have guys out there that are more established in the game like Nas that just drop music and good music at that. Like, yeah, it's fucking. So I'm going to tell you now, if you haven't listened to that album, <clears throat> I absolutely highly recommend that. It's not going to be my recommendation this week, but I highly definitely recommend you. Listen I'm going to that check album. it out. It's, it's good, dude. Yeah, it's very good. Nice. What about you? Well, I haven't really come across anything new in music. Well, I mean, I guess it's kind of music related. Well, um, Paramount Plus, they, you know, MTV's on there as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but on MTV commercials now, they kind of have like the Dire Straits thing in the, like the opening of the commercial where it's like MTV Productions and it's, 
my MTV. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my like god, like the old school. Like it's yeah. our, like I think there's something happening here. But on Paramount Plus, they started doing behind the music again because uh, MTV, you know, dissolved VH1. So now they're the ones doing it. They had like uh, Buster Rhymes was one. I didn't watch it because the one that caught my eye was Huey Lewis in the news. For those of you that don't know, I enjoy Huey Lewis in the news on a on a, on a pretty decent level. I I think very that good artist. Very they're good. like one of those bands, dude. That like, granted, they had those hits and they were mega mega huge, but I feel like they kind of get lost in like the whole like talk about like really good bands. Of course, like there's just more to them. They're than almost Back like, to the Future. I was gonna say they're almost <laughs> like a like if you put in context like Boys to Men and like those iconic group names like yep. Parliament Funk and stuff like that. Huey Lewis and the News is like. Like, people know of them, but because of the hits. Like, that's one of those artists, like, you really have to, like, dive into. Yeah. Like, they're all and just a very good artist. They have such, they have such a, like, a diverse background in yes. everything that they do. And, you know, like, Huey Lewis in the news, like, Huey Lewis himself was in, like, his, like, mid-30s by the time they had actually became super successful. So, you know, that in itself is, like, just insane. And everything they did was like pretty much on their own. They forged their own path. You know, the tons of record labels had declined them. And it wasn't until like, you know, 20 years into their career, they came out with fucking sports. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's just incredible, their mm-hmm. story. But um, it focuses more on Huey Lewis than Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah. And um, turns out like he's got like vertigo and stuff like like super bad like tinnitus like at this point in his career he's not even doing music anymore because he can't hear yeah he lost hearing in his right ear completely um his left ear was starting to go and then he said they were on stage uh back in 2018 and um they were playing or whatever and he thought like the dude's bass amp was fucked up like he like looked at him like what the fuck is going on? But little did he know because his issue. hearing was just fucking yeah. wiped. You know he said he can't sing on key anymore because he can't hear, and it's really sad because he, there's still a lot of talent still left in there, and um, it just goes in. The, they also talk about the process of recording their newest album called Weather that I haven't heard, but it's actually the it's it's going to be the last Huey Lewis album. So this is a new oh yeah this the is music from this year. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, so, I remember that, like, even, um, what was it, like, Headbangers Ball, I remember all, like, the interview sessions and stuff, yeah. like, there was so much cool shit on MTV back in the day, man, that just, yeah, that's great that they fucking even did that, though. Well, I feel like it's super fitting, too, because Huey Lewis was, like, one of the first VJs on MTV. Yeah. <clears throat> like, they actually show it, like, you know, uh, like, welcome to MTV, I'm Huey Lewis, and it's just like, oh, shit, like, it, like it's, like, coming full circle yeah. again, and... Like it, it's got me super excited of the fact they're starting to use the Dire Straits thing on the MTV commercials. Very classic. It makes what is, me think, does it bring a logo in too? Like the, how it used to. Yeah, it brings like well, that real like eighties. It's, it's early the picture 90s. of like the MTV Movie Awards, like, okay. like astronaut guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we're moving in the right direction. Well, because you think about all the vintage shit that they've brought back. Yeah. Dude, you know how many fucking hipster kids would just get on board with the idea of MTV if it was run like how it was run when we Are were you kidding? It would like, be amazing. MTV unplugs and yep. all that stuff back, dude. 
It would be good. It would be really good. Because we're over that. Like when they brought on like 16 and Pregnant and all those fucking shows, like that was cool. Yeah, uh, fucking super sweet 16 and bullshit. Like, (laughs) dude, like when they brought that stuff. 17 and divorced. Yeah. (laughs) 18 and strung out on narcotics. Yeah. Um, But all that stuff was cool because of like shock value. Like Mm -hmm. reality TV wasn't a thing. So it was something new as opposed to like, oh, I get to watch these fake dramas. Now I get to look into the lives of real people. And that to me is more exciting. But that's like worn off. Like, I don't know yeah. where, like, and this might be just me personally, but reality TV nowadays even feels so scripted and watered down and the whole market for it. It's just like podcasting, to be honest with you. And I feel like what was the beginning of all that was Jersey Shore. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Jersey Shore. But Dude, that, I mean, that, that was a phenomenon. Too. That was a phenomenon in the early yeah. days. You know what I mean? But, and then that's the thing. I think if they went back to that old school style of, because, I mean, music videos are still a thing. They still But I can tell them. you right now. I don't really watch them unless I'm YouTubing a song specifically and the first option is like official music video. Mm-hmm. But I don't go out of my way to check them and I don't really have many television shows that just constantly stream well, the thing, music there videos. Is none. I know, it's disturbing. I mean, is Fuse even still They a still thing? have things like that, but it's like top 100. It's like a very specific thing. They don't just yeah. like con- consistently play like newer videos and like have a format to it. Um, I remember Fuse used to be super badass when they first came out. Dude, like, remember they, they brought it back like a retro Nickelodeon channel where it was playing yeah, like uh, Doug and Hey Arnold. Wasn't it like Nickelodeon Splat or something yeah, like that? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Even all that stuff. Even like Legends of the Hidden Temple is coming yeah, back and I shit like that. that. Why don't they make like an MTV retro? Imagine turning it on and just seeing Alice in Chains Unplugged like playing for an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. Like that's the episode. Or like even just reruns of that shit. You know, like I just said with the Huey Lewis being the VJ. Yes. Thing, just replay it. Yes. Like are you kidding me? And just also mesh in new shit yeah. to expose people to newer music. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. So much. That's the thing. They probably don't feel like there's any money. To MTV be made. needs to hire us as uh, what's the guy's name from Chrysler? Oh. As his uh, marketing manager. Oh. Uh, uh, Lee Iacocca. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we need to be. We need to get on board with I would MTV. like to be more like the Carol Shelby of it. We should. Like, you want us to, you know, update your systems? Not a problem. You yeah. call the right guy. Yeah. My name's Carol Shelby, and I like to go fast. Listen. <laughs> Not, no, I build fast cars. <laughs> Listen, they want you to play this Black Keys video, but I'm going to tell them, it's your show. You do what you want. You play that Cannibal Corpse album if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if children are watching. <laughs> but well, I do remember that. That was the first place I saw a Cannibal Corpse video was on. Heavy that's Hanger what I'm saying, dude. I remember like school. the philosopher with death, you know, was shown yeah. on there. That was a big deal. Um, like that's even Beavis I, and Butthead, where they would yeah. like incorporate music videos into their show to get you like exposure for certain artists and stuff. Yeah. I mean, dude, there was just so much growth on there and opportunity. But I mean, reality TV, fucking. Like well, Rob Deerdeck and fucking uh, what Jesus the Christ. hell's name of that show? Ridiculousness. That's Ridiculousness. like that's all you're seeing. Now. Yeah, remember you had like Robin Big, then you had remember, Fantasy Factory, yeah. then you had Ridiculousness. I think he's got another show remember too. The days of just fucking watching music videos and then Jackass would be peppered in. Yeah, or Viva La Bam would be peppered in. And then in. Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead would be peppered. <laughs> Dude, God, fuck, man. Those were the good old days. We're like old bigots now yeah we're like, that old. we are those people we're like my father like what happened to just you levi's and led zeppelin <laughs> i remember back when mtv used to play van halen videos all the time before and- you used to take a girlfriend down to the soda fountain now everyone's <laughs> licking each other's buttholes and getting stds in the mouth <laughs> like yeah seriously like fucking we're at that age now I'm fucking yeah. sick of these kids 
So oh, on a real note, though, MTV, if you want some ideas on how to rejuvenate your uh, system that was once tried and true. We offer free uh, free consultation. Yeah, well, free consultations, fucking whatever. You can find us on social media. <laughs> Listen to the rest of the show. Yes. <laughs> so I feel like that became like a mini topic of its own. That'll probably branch into something further. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, uh, that was my new and interesting. <laughs> On this day in music history. August 23rd, 1963. In the UK, the Beatles released She Loves You, which becomes the best-selling UK single of all time, a record that isn't broken until 1977, when, of course, Paul McCartney releases Mall of Kintyre. I actually don't even know that song. Um, Neither do I. Yeah. I, like, I would love to come up with something smart-ass to say about yeah. it, but I literally don't even know anything too I can say, about it. well, I mean, She Loves You is, I mean, is a good song. But this is the thing with the Beatles, man. We talk about this all the time. Like, I'll hate on them just for their repetitiveness and this just the very, like, we talked even with Nirvana in context of yeah. just perfect storm for the opportunity to become as successful as they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're good. Like, the Beatles put out good music. For me, though, to have them on the pedestal that they are on, I'm taking the Stones over them any day. I'm I'd taking take the Beach Boys over the Beatles. I would take the Beach Boys over the Beatles, too. I would take Aerosmith even over the Beatles. Any of those, like, up-and-coming rock acts that get put into the realm of, like, what the Beatles ultimately created, yeah. I, I really just don't see the Beatles... Like, even Cream. Like, mm. Cream really established that whole genre of classic rock to the psychedelic sound and everything else in between, and I would honestly take one Cream album before any Beatles album. Yeah, and you know, like going back to the 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 Beach Boys versus the Beatles thing, like they were literally competitors, and yeah. I feel like the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson in particular was just like light years ahead. And of I don't know why that happened because like Pet Sounds, I would take before Sergeant Pepper, before 100%. Revolver. 100%. I just I don't I don't know where that shadow came over. I guess because that because they were I I think I think the Beatles were like just like a smidge sooner. Yeah. And, you know, which is fine and all, but there's no denying. But that's the even... The Beach Boys don't get nearly the accolades that this is when you think about the terms the of do. with Nirvana, because Nirvana, like, gets put in the same perspective as the Beatles in, like, the time that they came and what they revolutionized with music. And that's mm-hmm. how... But think about the bands that were before them in the same context as the Beach Boys. Like, Sonic Youth was yeah. already... Like, they were opening for Sonic Youth by the time Nevermind came out. Yeah. You know, the Pearl Jam dropped 10 before, you know, Nirvana really Facelift. hit the map. Facelift came out in 90. But like, I even feel like, yeah, like, obviously I don't want to get on a giant Alice and Chains thing, <clears throat> but I feel like, um, I feel like it's unfair to kind of like loop in Alice and Chains and Nirvana and the same thing. Like granted it was the same area in time, but I feel like Alice and Chains had like more of a metal approach, which well, even ultimately so, made it better for me. I mean, you even had Green River, Mud Honey, yeah. I mean Mother Love Bone, Post Tad. Andrew Wood, that be yeah, Tad. You had so many other artists that were like Melvins. They yeah, were already Melvins. really established in that scene. It's just Soundgarden. weird to think that even if the Beatles came a little bit before, that they maintained even though there was better artists coming after. Because that's basically what Nirvana was. Mm-hmm. Nirvana just took their everything that was already blue printed and like yeah you know what i mean it became like the spearhead for the rest Signed, of the sealed delivered yep. <laughs> yep. uh 1970 lou reed plays his last gig with the velvet underground at the club max's kansas city in new york his father brings him home to long island and puts him to work and his according in his accounting firm where he stays for two years before before signing a solo deal 
I honestly, kind of there's funny. not a single thing by Lou Reed solo wise that I could even compare to his stint in uh, the Velvet Underground. Lulu was amazing. I don't care what anybody says. This is interesting. This is super interesting. Super interesting. <laughs> um, but dude, I mean, it's funny because the Velvet Underground. I I listened to um, the Velvet Underground and Nico in its entirety at least once a month at some point. Like it's just that good of an album. It's and everything that was critiqued about it for why it was bad is like the reason I love it. So all those songs are just extremely dark and it's about drugs and violence. And I'm like, yeah, this is exactly what I want to listen to it for. It's like yeah. depressing as fuck, but it's like happy at the same time. <laughs> um, but Lou Reed's solo career, man, I, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. Transformer was pretty good. But I was never even really that big of a fan of the Velvet Underground, believe it or not. Yeah. Well, it's I don't a think very, it's that hard to believe, but yeah. <laughs> It's a very specific taste. Yeah. But it's the same thing because they also get held up there in the late 60s of being like that album in particular being reputable as one of like the greatest albums of all time Mm -hmm. put next to like Revolver and Sgt. Pepper's according to the Beatles with all their shit. And it's funny because it's such a totally different sound. This is why I always struggle with like, why are the Beatles looked at as like this be all end all iconic like that's the godfather movie of music well i think at the end of the day the reason why the beatles get such a high praise or whatever is because they basically streamlined the process it sucks you know what i mean it's, it's just like anything great. it's like a freeze you know like freeze dry coffee it's, or fucking yeah. whatever you know it's just like it's they have good a million other brands of it some flavors are way better but exactly. this is the one i'm more of a breakfast blend from a uh, the, the donut shop fucking breakfast great. blend. Yeah, donut, donut shop is great. Yep. I'll even do Green Mountain. Yeah. From time to time. I, I just buy whatever's cheap at Walmart. Absolutely. Honestly. Eight o'clock on sale. Yeah. That's a great brand, too. <laughs> Nine- I buy whatever's cheap at Walmart. <laughs> I'm surprised you're not wearing a flannel while you said that. Yeah, right. 1987 at a 20th anniversary Summer of Love Celebration concert in Cavalera's County Fairgrounds in Angel Camp, California. Featuring the Grateful Dead, a man who escaped from a drug treatment facility shoots a policeman and then shot dead. Yeah, that sounds about right for a Grateful Dead show. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially actually, in, I don't know, in the eighties. Yeah. yeah, in the eighties, Grateful. I mean, that that wouldn't be shocking to me, to be honest. With I you. would expect this more like a Guns and Roses show. Um, yeah, but then I would also expect more of like arguing anarchist type violence as opposed to a strange individual showing through like that's just like because i can imagine all the people that are just calmly there and they just see that like whoa that doesn't look good at all oh no and then he and then he oh no like you know what i mean oh man like it's a very yeah it's like a very isolated incident in the midst of this like peaceful sounding concert yeah listen man very 80s grateful dead era (laughs) Uh, a few, a few, <laughs> few, few years later, here we in we have 90- stuttering problems. Yeah, at, um, Rage Against the Machine. Did I, Junior? In 1993, testifying in court against his former Guns N' Roses bandmate Stephen Adler, Duff McKagan is asked about the spaghetti incident, incident, referring to a time when Adler may or may not have eaten McKagan's leftover pasta. The band finds this hilarious and names their next album "The Spaghetti Incident." The story behind this is actually way cooler than the album itself. Yeah. Um, those covers on there just... 
like the one I can get behind. I mean, even the Johnny Thunders cover, uh, cover of "You Can't Put Your Arms Around a Memory" is pretty good. The Dead Boys cover of "Ain't It Fun" is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point in Guns N' Roses' career, we you, you, it was just well, I believe it was in there behind the music or something like that, or I maybe I read it. They said their cover, like it was the editor in chief of Rolling Stone. Yes, yeah, so it was behind the music. He um he was referring to uh you know the, the devil knows my name. Yeah. The cover. Yeah. He said that is the epitome of a band on the verge of breaking up. Yeah. Is that cover. Yeah. And like, I, I never listened to it at that point. Then I did. And I was like, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That whole album was just because I like cover albums. Like when oh, a band yeah. does that, like Slayer's Undisputed Attitude. Children of Bone Skeletons in the Closet. Great that fucking. Good yeah. Go to fucking albums, man. Um, Van but, Halen's Diver Down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. <laughs> One of the greatest um, cover albums of all time. Is there something below this? Um, yeah, it's something. Uh, yeah, actually. Okay. And wrapping up here on 2014, the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack and also mix of 70s hits goes number one in America where it stays for two weeks. Not surprising. Um, well, this was what was cool about that movie because I remember even in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, that opening scene, I believe it's the chain by Fleetwood Mac that opens that scene. Or that, Yeah, Guardians 2. Yeah, Guardians 2. Guardians 2, I actually saw. Guardians 1 is uh, Redbone. Okay, yeah. So Come and get that's what I really dig about that movie because the soundtrack's when, awesome. That's what I'm saying, but it also when it hits number one, it's great because I can be that old person that sees like the kid being like, you know, hearing me listen to Fleetwood Mac. Like, oh, that's that song from a TikTok video I saw. Yeah. And it'll piss me off at first, but it's good that people are getting into the music at least somehow it's there. because then we talk back to the whole MTV thing, the accessibility mm-hmm. of how you're able to find your music. It's not so good because you're really limited now in word of mouth. Yeah. You're very limited to your friend saying, check this out or what's being popular and streamed on people using it for a TikTok video or, you know, the artists that people talk about, which is mostly like Cardi B and shit like that. Kanye West. You don't really get the opportunity where unless their parents were getting them into it. Just blindly filing, like find even a band of to the stature of Fleetwood Mac, just blindly finding them. Yeah. It's not as easy, you know, which is a shame. But that's why, yeah, I I always dug I dug both the soundtracks in both those movies. They're just they're awesome, very good. It also is kind of annoying though too because Star Lord is a character. I feel like he'd be more like into like the new wave of Bridges heavy metal or maybe like the beginnings of Thrash and stuff like that. He just seems like that kind of guy to me. But then again, his mom was really influential with his music choices. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like it would be fitting. If Star Lord on his, you know, his uh, his fucking mixtapes were to have some like Motley Crue or Judas Priest, well, let's or be fair, Van Halen. Because if you were that character, you'd probably be listening to like "Tell Me Why" by the Backstreet Boys. I want it that way, and nobody <laughs> would understand that. They would probably say the same thing about you if you were the character. <laughs> you know, I look at him and I really thought he'd be listening to more like Grindcore or, you know, <laughs> like Eaten Back to Life era Cannibal Corpse. Yeah. I wasn't really expecting NSYNC to be popping up on his playlists <laughs> from time to time. Um, but you do know what I mean, though. Of course. Right? No, I know exactly what like, you mean. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the soundtrack. I love both soundtracks. They're fucking great. However, I do feel like there's no way that him being like a, like a you know, 
10 to 12 year old in the 80s. Yes. He wasn't listening to Led Zeppelin yes. or Aerosmith. Yes. You know, I mean, like, I'm not saying that the music that's in there doesn't fit, but I'm saying, you know. That reminds me, too, because I thought, like, I think think that's like the important thing about movies is where you really need to develop just like modern context. Yeah. Because like even with this like one meme I saw about, you know, this guy finding out Harry Potter took place in like the mid nineties. Yeah. Like, which I find it hard to believe because that never at any point in that movie did say, damn, the Chicago Bulls are having a hell of a run. <laughs> yeah, you know what I, I mean? That like <laughs> that's the same thing. Like I think like if directors paid a little more attention to like the small details and context, like it yeah. makes that shit so much more iconic. That's the thing. They they're probably just like, oh well, you know, his mom influences music decisions. Yeah, but and still, as like, a teenager, like in that era, you're gonna find you your would have found Led Zeppelin. Or Black yeah, like Sabbath. my dad got me into fucking classic rock and shit. But if yeah. I was a teenager in the '80s, you can best believe I was be going. I would be at Black Flag concerts and the Misfits yeah. and shit. You know what I mean? But regardless, it's a very good, very good uh, compilation mixtape album. Soundtrack. If you need marketing ideas for your next movies, Marvel. <laughs> Like I said, we're free. Well, that's the thing, too. You know, I feel like they really missed the ball with Captain Marvel. I mean, granted, yeah. she was wearing a nine inch nail shirt, but they yeah. could have had, like, I don't know. Yeah, that heiress, but yeah. Like, that it ain't like that or something, like in one of the scenes. Yeah. Well, then again, she was wearing a Guns N' Roses shirt, too. And one of the pictures, she was dressed like Axl Rose for Halloween. So, I mean, I guess it's it close works. Close enough, yeah. It works, but. We're a little being too scrutinized on the whole situation. If you can't tell, we're we're really passionate about this kind of stuff. We take extreme dedication into our work. Speaking of our work, we could be outside consultants for <laughs> movies. And we absolutely we could television. do anything. We could be the president at this point. Fuck it, pretty much. Um. So what I wanted to say is is speaking of like the MTV thing and like being able to like kind of renew a brand mm-hmm. but make it original. Um, I was talking to someone and this is even in particular with like new music and bands coming out nowadays that give you kind of like a semblance of a hope for a better future of music but without just redoing what's already been done. Mm -hmm. The particular band and I'm sure most people are familiar with them are Greta Van Fleet and this got me to really thinking about there is always that argument where people are like we want music that sounded like this era we miss Mm -hmm. music that sounded like this era but then you get a band like Greta Van Fleet which is literally almost like a Led Zeppelin cover band is just making original tunes yeah like it's basically what it sounds like on paper I honestly heard a song by them I thought it was an unreleased track by Led Zeppelin that was my first first, yes that was my first thing my first forte into them and the argument against that is is like people like oh they're a ripoff of Led Zeppelin they're a ripoff of Led Zeppelin and then the back argument is saying well you're getting music that sounds quite familiar and this is what people want yet you hate on it when it happens and this is where I started to think like there's a very fine line difference in not just kind of revitalizing a genre, but then you hit a point where you're just regurgitating something that's already been done completely. Yep. For instance, going to the Greta Van Fleet situation, branching off of that to say like what their comparison is, is to Led Zeppelin. The argument no. of that, well, uh, you won't <laughs> believe it, dude. Trust me. It's, it's, you know what I mean? It's like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. They work great together, but they're totally different apparently. So, with the Led Zeppelin thing, everyone hated on Led Zeppelin was saying, we ripped off blues bands. They ripped off blues bands. They basically did everything blues bands did. Mm-hmm. However, if I listen to artists like Howlin' Wolf and, like, all the true blues artists that went that specific direction, um, 
Led Zeppelin just took the ideas and blueprints and created an original act based on the influences. Mm-hmm. Same thing with all the bands that developed from like Black Sabbath, the whole doom metal scene. Yep. You very much hear Black Sabbath influence and shit, but you're not hearing Black Sabbath. Yeah, you know, you get bands like Red Fang and Mastodon. Green Lung. Green Lung. Yeah. Acid Witch. Like, all yes. those bands. Like, they, they, you can tell that that's where that shit came from. Yes. And they took it their own. I was actually explaining it to my wife when I was telling her about this topic. I feel like when you have a band like Black Sabbath or, you know, Leds Up on any band, there was a certain magic that happened with these bands and these albums. Yes. What these newer bands are trying to do is recreate or kind of uh like harness the magic, but they didn't have anything prior to it to be able to harness. Exactly. It. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah, I could fucking, I could probably try my damnedest to make a beef Wellington too, but I guarantee if Gordon Ramsay walked up and I followed his instructions about 100%, he's going to walk in and go, what is this piece of shit? Yeah. Like, yep. I mean, let's be You're real. Just missing that. There's that thing. They, there's that X factor or whatever that these bands just don't have. Like, yes. yeah, Greta Van Fleet, their songs, they have good hooks, yes. whatever. But at the end of the day, if I'm sitting there, I'm going to go, okay, well, they all rather just listen to House of the Holy. And that's what I'm saying. It's, it's. I appreciate the efforts mm-hmm. in bands that are trying to... Because even when we talked about that 90s movement, yeah. you had bands like Tad, The Melvins, Mud Honey, all kind of like dancing around this similar idea of alternative music. Yes. And every band, though, in a level had a unique value to it. Like, I listen to Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Mud Honey. I listen to all those bands totally differently. Yeah. For totally different reasons and listen for... a totally different purpose in the sense of like what I'm getting back from that music. Exactly. But I'm saying it's, it's crazy because you do have a band like Greta Van Fleet and even some of the newer artists that have come out today. Like Black Keys was another one. Hmm. Black Keys really try to build on that like later wave of the 90s alternative movement like Modest Mouse and all those more yeah. alt bands and create this indie rock sound and it's just it failed after a while, in my yeah. opinion. Like, it, it just doesn't do it for me in the same way that, yes, you're trying to redo and keep a value of, like, music alive. I think it was right after El Camino. Yeah. That's when it went down. Yeah. Right after hit, right after they hit their peak. Yeah. It was just like... Lumineers were the same yeah. way. Of Monsters and Men did the same exact Fucking, shit. Um, God damn it. Uh, Mumford and Sons. Mumford and Sons. Same exact thing. Big. They're not even the same type of band I anymore. I know. And this is where even like the hip hop scene, man, like this is where I always say a lot of the new music I listen to mm-hmm. is coming out by artists that have already been around. Like shit, look at like most of my recommendations, Carcass's new album. Yeah. You know, Iron Maiden's new album that's coming out. Um, you know, Nas's new album that's coming out. Exodus, shit. Like we didn't really talk about that, but Exodus is coming out with a new album, which is a thrash album that mm-hmm. the band that's been around since the eighties and that's where I kind of get on the realm where there's only so many genres. Like, I think the thrash genre in particular, like mm-hmm. when you had bands like Warbringer, Municipal Waste, Skeleton Witch, that were keeping this level of like old school thrash with older tendencies without just, you know what I mean? Like, why yeah. would I listen to your fucking band if I already like a band that's A, B, similar, 
with you yeah. know what I mean? That's that much better. Like if you're trying to be this band, why would I waste my time listening That's to what, what you have to do? And you have and like you've already put yourself in a position where you have to be that much better in a sense mm-hmm. to really grab my attention. Because I'll listen to Led Zeppelin. You mm-hmm. could sound just like Led Zeppelin. I love Led Zeppelin, but there's just like I don't know what it is to me that immediately I'm like, it's just not You know, it was funny too. One of the first things I thought of when I heard Greta Van Fleet was when are we gonna get a Black Sabbath band? Yeah. Like, when are we going to get a band that sounds just like Black Sabbath? Yeah. Because it, it's going to happen. So I mean, honestly, right Green Lung is pretty close. Yeah. Because his voice is uh, very close to that early, yeah, yeah, self-titled Sabbath era. Going back to the whole, if you're so similar, why listen to you? you kind of wants to, well, the inner, the inner, uh, the inner tween in me, the inner tween girl. Wants to bring out the Backstreet Boys and oh, yeah. NSYNC mm-hmm. and all those other bands. I mean, because technically, if you want to be serious, this is actually kind of where where I kind of want to make my point with this. It gets to a point where it's not about the music anymore. It's about the commercial value of it. Yes. Those bands like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees. I mean, granted, 98 Degrees was like a fucking... It was a copy of them and just not as successful uh, like Nick Lachey. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <clears throat> at the end of the day, they were just carbon copies of New Kids on the Block. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be if you want to be real about it, New Kids on the Block were really the originators of the whole boy band thing. Yeah. I mean, oh, then again, I guess maybe. I mean, you can go. Th- there's just five. Yeah. There, there's like a whole like train here. So like the Jackson Five were the originators. I think I would like to say they were the originators. Then, you know, you had various groups, and then the next biggest one you had was New Edition. Then from New Edition, you had New Kids on the Block. Then you had Backstreet Boys in sync. Which is almost the concept then, as well of what we discussed with, like, the Beatles, for instance. The yeah. Beatles, in this case, being the Jackson 5, and more along the lines of, like, they could be even, like, the Mud Honey, where Backstreet Boys were, like, the nirvana of it, where they took boy bands to, like, yeah. a global phenomenon. Because whether or not you like NSYNC or Backstreet Boys is kind of moot point because Backstreet Boys came first anyway. But let me ask you this, though, because what you just described is like kind of putting against the idea that you can be successful in a sense of like just recreating what's already been done. Right. Yeah. So and, and this is my opinion as well. Do you think that genre determines the availability to be able to redo something completely and just make it a little bit different and better? Yeah, because I feel like, well, I feel like with rock music, it's a little bit harder. Yes. Because if it were that easy, we would have had five Led Zeppelin sound like bands between now and like 1975. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like with pop music, it's extremely easy because it's all commercial. It's pop, popular music. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. How many female artists have you heard that sound just like fucking Katy Perry in the past 10 years? Oh, yeah. How many how many male artists have you heard in the past ten years that sound like Usher? Yeah, I mean, I mean, shit. How many rappers have I heard that sound like Migos or fucking <laughs> Lil Drake? Uzi Vert? Yeah, all those Lil guys. Wayne. Yeah, dude. <clears throat> it's um, and that that was another thing too because I discussed this with you. Uh, similarly, like Olivia Rodrigo mm-hmm. is all of a sudden blowing up as this artist, and luckily I see a lot of 
social media posts and the understanding of like the complete relation it is to like Paramore. Yeah. Because Paramore, it was, we talk about female artists, like that was a sound of like that growing emo scene and that pop punk scene where it was like new. It was fresh and people yeah. could really do whatever they want. You had hundreds of bands that sound like every pop punk band to me. Like, granted, it's just like listening to 10 different artists, but you're just getting a huge discography by one artist. Like, there so yeah. many pop punk bands out there sound exactly the fucking same. The same whiny voice, the same <laughs> fucking harmony leads. Yep. And, you know, but it's funny because I heard this Olivia Rodrigo song. I didn't know what the fuck it was. And everyone was like talking about this girl and being like, we already had My Chemical Romance. We already had the emo fate. And I'm like, oh, so I guess this girl's comparable to that. Dude, as soon as I heard that song, I heard Misery Business yeah. by Paramore <laughs> immediately. But then that's the thing. Like you said, that's successful and can be unique to some because of the scene that it's in. Exactly. But like I said, this Greta Van Fleet shit, it's weirder because it falls in a category of individuals of like the elitist culture and like purists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which granted, I'm one of them because I fucking get this person that keeps trying to get me into Greta Van Fleet. I'm like, like I fucking tried. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I have absolutely tried, but I don't know, man. I really think music, something has to happen in the next some so many years to really define something because we're becoming so fucking stagnant, repetitive. Yeah, it's cookie cutter. Yeah. Like everything is exactly the same. And our favorite artists are fucking dying. So there's going to be like a matter of time before yep. there is no more. It's just all 30th anniversary of this and yeah, expanded exactly. version of this. And we're just like, 53 tracks from one of these new, <laughs> from these newer artists that oh, you yeah, like, li- you know, we're, you know, covering the same song four times. On yeah. This speaking album. of fucking cover albums. Yeah. We discussed that two weeks in a row, you know, and not that I want to turn this into a discussion of this particular band, mm. but uh-huh. they, in their earlier couple albums, they were ripoffs of other things too. Well, but that's the thing. This is where the same Black Sabbath concept comes in where you're able to grow because you think about Diamond Head um, and you think about Anvil and you think about uh, Budgie and all these other bands that kind of were like right there. Yeah. Like just missing something. And then obviously that hair metal movement was going on simultaneously where Metallica was able to take the stepping stones of all that shit and like merge it into something more unique. That's mm-hmm. where it's like you can find that tasteful value of it. Because like I said, the thrash genre, this thrash genre to me is like perfect because every band is like almost solely dependent on your fucking tone of your instruments. Yeah. And the vocalist. Pretty much. I, I, like, I, like, like fucking, um, you know, power trip that I'm so hung up on. I mean, they're not so fucking far off from like Sepultura's early days or Demolition Hammer or like, you know, all these earlier thrash bands. Yeah. But to me, it's again, it's like the tone, the songs, and you can do so much more in like certain subgenres. Yeah. But when you're trying to be like a grandstand rock band, you're trying to be like Madison Square Garden headlining Mumford and Sons type artists, you gotta mm-hmm. like. I don't know. I think there needs to be some level of like integrity for the music because in the 70s and the 80s and even in the 90s, like you saw there was constant consistency yeah. with artists. Like Alice in Chains, their whole career. Nirvana cut short their whole career. Even Soundgarden. Yeah. Pearl Jam's had its fucking, you know what I mean? But you saw the progression. Yeah, exactly. Right no, no, I know. You, you know what I mean? And that, I think artists, the way they are today, it's like you said, it's way more about the imagery and the marketing. Yeah. And the, that's at the end, the the end of the day, that's all it is. It's fucking sad, man. And you know what's funny too, like even going into hip hop, I I mean I can't personally pick out individual artists, but I know I've heard other rappers that have ripped Eminem's game. Hundred percent. You know, 100%. um, 
I think uh, the one band, uh, band. I think the one rapper is uh, his name's Token, and uh, he's just like this like TikTok rapper or whatever. And my wife downloaded a couple of the songs on Spotify, and I'm like, I'm listening to it. It's like this fucking dude is literally just a carbon copy ripoff of Eminem. And this is where it can become frustrating because then people get popular in a sense, and it just like I just I guess it's because of again that elitist like purist mentality. But when I'm trying to show somebody like something or talk music and they show me an artist, I'm like, oh, they sound like Eminem. And they're like confused as to who I'm talking to. And I'm using that in a very dramatic sense because yeah. most people know who Eminem is. But I've had many moments like that where they say, oh, shit, like, are they a so-and-so cover band? They're like, I don't know that band. Yeah. And I'm like, but they're literally <laughs> covering the song. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just that's what's scary because I think that's what's important and what's missing in new music is that a lot of these younger artists aren't blueprinting so much, but just absorbing yeah, and then recreating exactly what's already been done Yep, and getting fucking successful off it, which bothers me because I wish I could just fucking do that. Yeah, Honestly, exactly. that would be cool if you can just make yourself self-made real quick just by totally ripping off what's been done. But like, again, like you said, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, all these bands didn't really have so much to go on to like invent a genre of music. Exactly. It's terrible. And like I said, it's, uh, like I always say, music is up to interpretation. But when you are literally taking a whole band's sound and everything, literally to the fucking T, like, the vocals for Greta Van Fleet, like, how are you not sitting there? Like, I think that a little I think bit like, I heard like a, an interview with Robert Plant or something. They asked him about him. He's like, I never listened to him. Then, like, they play like a quick like clip of, I think, Highway Song or something. He's like, I think I've heard that voice before. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> You think? But when I heard that song, I'm telling you right now, it was like, what was this, like B-sides? To, I literally like, thought it was a Led Zeppelin song. I couldn't believe it. But the, the, the recording was so polished, so I was like... Eh, remastered. It's pretty good remastered, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, Who is the producer on this? I don't know. I guess like we're bigots in the music industry of just kind of how we talk things. But yeah, yeah I really just... like I mean, even like Foo Fighters. I mean, just constantly and like they're more individual in a sense but they just literally branched off well they're chameleons dude you could throw them into any situation which is terrible and they would be able to like cope with it yeah this is why i guess because a lot of things are based in terms on success where you chart how your album sold things like that Mm -hmm. but if you're gonna be out there kind of having some sort of integrity to the art that you're producing like at least understand that you're doing something for a fan base yeah. As opposed to like, you know, let's get successful off of this formula. Mm-hmm. You know, like what did you like? I, I would love if you could just get into the inner minds of some artists that if at the end of the day they were really passionate about what they were doing or they were like, we can fucking do this and be successful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because well, I guarantee what you it is now. I know I can guarantee you there are so many artists up there that could give a fuck about their fans that show up and mm-hmm. like, you know, don't like little press releases. Like I love my fans, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, all they're worried about is the numbers. What's yep. selling, what do we need to do? Listening to some fucking ghostwriter record producer on what'll work. And they could give a shit as long as it's going to fucking chart. Exactly. Which is disturbing. As long as they're going to have, you know, the 30,000 plus 30,000, my wrists, <laughs> hundred thousand plus hundred thousand, my whip. It's so bad, dude. <laughs> I mean, you know, occasionally you do get the few that kind of uh, like transcend past it, but but then you get artists like Motorhead, yeah, like fucking Lemmy just 
He didn't give a fuck. Did whatever, he, and he just kept going. He literally just did what the he wanted. The guy had cancer and, and lied to people and kept doing meth and drinking and just didn't, like, just kept playing shows. Like, <laughs> and it was the same formula. It was the same music. Granted, it was basically ACDC for metal kids. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there was, like, a level of integrity. He built an empire on it. I heard a story, and this is what made me think, and this is a totally different genre topic of uh, media. It's uh, for Seinfeld. I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. Hmm. Um, and towards the end of the career, Seinfeld, Jerry was asked to pick up a new season, even though he felt like the show was completed and they were offering him $1 million per episode. Damn. And he denied it. He denied it because he felt like the show was complete, like a level of integrity for your fucking art. Yeah. Like that shit to me, in hindsight, you could say like, all right, he's an idiot because... He, he was creating a show and it's a lot of fucking money. But that's the thing as an artist, like at some point, I guess you have to assume like you felt like you've done enough. And yeah. at some point you're just making and creating shit to keep your status quo yeah. to keep like, but you burn out. Like people sometimes burn out. Well, you run like out of hell. Yeah. I mean, granted Same, that was a different situation. Yeah. But, he went, but now he's doing stand up. Like, that's the thing. Like, even Jerry did the same thing. He went on to do other parts that he wanted to pursue in his career. Yeah. Um, now he's got comedians in cars getting coffee, which yeah. is actually a pretty decent That's what I'm too. saying. Like, that's, you know, the integrity <clears throat> of your art sometimes has to be more valuable than the paycheck for your art. Yep. Is what I feel like is absolutely necessary. And you could fucking make that the title of this goddamn episode. That was pretty dope how that came <laughs> up. Inter- yeah, a little, little JFK. The integrity of your art must be more important than the paycheck for your art. Um, <laughs> but seriously, man, because I always think yeah. like we can only say it from a perspective of like aspiring to have that level of success. Yep. So no way can I knock the ability to do what almost every artist is able to achieve that has that level of fame. Yeah. You know, at some point they were just some kid in a garage or just sitting at home on their computer and made something. And next thing you know, it's on the radio and people are listening to it and people are singing it at concerts with you. Fucking great. Mm-hmm. That's like everyone's dream that loves that, uh, you know, field of music, whatever they wanted to do or art. But at the same time, like I said, I, I don't know. I guess maybe something changes in you when you're sitting there and you've released three albums and you just like don't have it anymore or you just want to tour, you want to pursue something else, but then a record company comes in, we'll give you $80 million to do another album. Yeah. And even though you got nothing fucking written, no like sense of creativity towards your art anymore in that realm and you just do something. Yeah. Like scary. Yeah. It's fucking scary. So what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Do you also need a consultation? If you're looking for a consultation, you're looking for new ideas for your podcast, your television network, your movie, your soundtracks, you can find us on social media, facebook.com slash RATM podcast, Instagram and Twitter at RATM podcast. And our email is always open at RATM podcast at gmail.com. Also, you can find us on YouTube. Just type in the search bar, Rage Against the Mainstream Podcast. That concludes this topic for this week. So what do you think? Do you think we're way too harsh on Greta Van Fleet? Do you feel like, I don't know, do you feel like the elitist culture is kind of ruining these newer bands that are coming out that sound just like bands that they're trying to imitate? They say imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, but Mm. I consider that to be a lawsuit. Led Zeppelin also had to face similar consequences. Exactly. Nobody's (laughs) immune to the lawsuit. Not even us. Yeah, exactly. Season desist orders. I'm waiting for like Eddie Trunk to just like knock on my door, and be like, "Hey, so uh, 
kind of stole the idea from. Uh, the, <laughs> hey, I listened to your show. It sounds a little familiar. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but regardless, that uh, that concludes the topic for this week. We're gonna get into our suggestions. Do you want to go first? You want me to go first? Yeah, I can go first. Uh, so the album I'm going to recommend is LAMF. It stands for Like a Motherfucker. <laughs> it is the Lost 77 uh, recordings by Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers. Okay. Um, yeah, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, if you're familiar with like the early punk scene in the New York area of like the New York Dolls and stuff like that. Johnny Thunders was a very, very good artist, but with the Heartbreakers, they released this album, which was basically a compilation of their 77 recordings. So I'm going to recommend is track six called Chinese Rocks. Nice. My suggestion for this week is based off of my new and interesting for this week uh, to check out the 1983 smash fucking album Sports by Huey Lewis in the News. Choice. Now, there's quite a few songs on this album that were super mega hits. And, of course, I had to choose one of those. But I picked the lowest of the super mega hits, Heart and Soul. I, it's got such a good fucking hook. It is. Dude. It's just like, it. it it's just Bottom there. line, man, like. Heart and Soul. It's just like, like one of those you know? artists, like, you just have to know them. Yeah. This is where I hope, this is, again, why I go back to the TikTok thing, when you see, like, a wave of a certain classic rock song or just even just a classic R&B song of any mm-hmm. sort, hip-hop especially, um, it's great when you have those opportunities. Yeah. I mean, if you're only, if you're only like uh introduction to Huey Lewis and the news is back to the future. I guarantee you that you'll enjoy way more of their songs than just that. Yes. You know, for the horror movie fans out there that watched American psycho and you, you know, heard hip to be a square. Yeah. Like there's way more than just that too. And, uh, it's it's funny too because you know even they're a band that has like major R and B influences and you know like blues rock and all that other shit but they took those influences and went in a totally different direction yes. and they they basically made like a genre of their own. That's what I was gonna say. They're you another know? one of those like artists like when you hear them, especially if you've already heard you know them, it's them. You know it's them exactly. Yeah, they, they there's have a no very unique sound. There's no question about it. Yep. Honestly, it's kind of funny too because if I would have heard Huey Lewis in the news before I heard Van Halen. I probably would have been a saxophone player as opposed to a guitar player because I was already on that trajectory path. Like I was playing saxophone. My parents like, this is what you're going to do. Bill Clinton plays saxophone. You know, everything's going to be great. And then I saw, I heard eruption and heard Van Halen for the first time. And then I saw a Van Halen video and I was Mm -hmm. like, like in my, you know, 10 year old head where, you know, 12, 15, something like that. I was, I was young. And I remember just thinking like, this guy's way cooler than the guy in fucking, you know, Bruce Springsteen or George Thorogood's <laughs> band. <laughs> but if I would have heard, you know, Huey Lewis and got into it, I probably would have stayed on that path of playing saxophone. Oh, my God. See, I honestly wish I would have heard Jethro Tull at an earlier age and got onto Ian Anderson, Ian Anderson with his fucking extreme flute playing. Yeah. That would have been badass wearing like a leather jacket and Doc Martens. And just Could you imagine like how, fucking like how different our lives would have been like? Yo, what do you play, bro? Play sax. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Check this out. Pull out a flute out of my Yeah, pull out a fucking flute out of the inside well, of my yeah, leather. It'd be this way. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> However, I'll never forget like the there was one particular instance. It was in I was in sixth grade. And I had like manipulated a piece of music that we were playing in band. And um the band instructor or the you know, like the teacher or whatever 
he was like, oh, you're going to play this at the next concert by yourself. Because, like, you know, like, I, I manipulated this piece of music. And uh, I'll never forget it, dude, because I can remember it like it was yesterday. I'm fucking sitting there in like, front of everybody and, you know, like, the whole, like, everyone's families and all that other shit's there. And I'm playing this piece of music. And um, or when I go to sit down, my fucking teacher comes walking past me with a fucking Les Paul custom. And he came behind me and he was just like playing some like, like he, he was a really good guitar player too, but like I knew nothing about guitar at that point. He was playing some like jazzy shit, like behind what I was playing. And like, you can see it in the video. If I can find it, I'll post it on fucking YouTube or some shit. So everyone can see there's like a point in time where he walks past me with a guitar and I'm just like, and that was the moment. That was the moment. He had a fucking cherry. It was like a, a wine cherry Les Paul custom. They have a pick guard. Uh, yes. No, no, it didn't have a pick art at all. Oh, uh, it was just okay. Yeah, he had a wine. It was a cherry, a wine cherry red Les Paul custom, and I remember looking at that like as a kid, like this is cool. This is it. And then I saw the Van Halen stripes. I always wish that I played like the piccolo or some weird instrument. So I'm like, <laughs> I said, yeah, I listen to music. Are you playing instruments? Yeah, and they're like expecting guitar, drums, bass. Yeah, like, like a normal. I have a baritone. I play the oboe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. I play the tuba. Yeah, just something like not traditional at all. <laughs> Do you play an untraditional instrument? If you play the harp, I would love to hear it. Oh, dude, could you imagine like that being like the intro? Harp player, yeah. Just like... That was what we can do. We can have a contest for our recording our intro. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? We're going to set this up towards the end of the season Absolutely. Here. Nice. Be our intro will be the fucking episode. Yeah. Yep. I like this. I don't this. even care what it fucking sounds like. It could be farting armpits. Hey, we'll give you a shout out. Exactly. We're, you know, we're going to backburn this because this is going to happen. Yeah, I know. know. (laughs) This is just the opening segue to it. Yeah. Recurring. This will happen. Yep. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess that about wraps it up for this week. Um, Yeah. If you play any strange instruments, don't forget to find us on our social media accounts. Facebook.com slash R.A.T.M. podcast. Instagram and Twitter at R.A.T.M. podcast. Or you can send us a video or you know, like a letter or email or whatever to uh, ratmpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube. YouTube search Rage Against the Mainstream Podcast. Um, don't forget to check out this Friday where I sit down with Juan from 54 Reasons. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So that about wraps it up for this week. This is another episode of Rage Against the Mainstream Podcast for the books. As always, I'm Bill. I'm Steve. Have a good night, guys. Thank you for listening.